0: welcome to another episode of ben and eric's podcast on today's episode we will be reviewing david fincher's gone girl with gone girl is about um with his wife's disappearance having become the focus of an intense media circus a man sees the spotlight turned on him when it's suspected that he may or may not be innocent now some of you might be wondering hey if you guys are doing fincher why aren't you doing seven or social network or fight club those are all valid questions um our answer is something along the lines of, this this one is for all you ladies out there. Uh, we wanted something more family-friendly, if you can imagine, <laughs> if you can call this, if you can call Gone Girl family-friendly. Um, this is an episode in our classic series, and I usually end these intros with a, how are you doing, Eric? But today, how's Paige, Eric? You seen her writing in any journals lately? Got any suspicious uh, purchases on your credit card?
1: Oh, geez. No. Um, thank you. i never fear that that uh, my wife is like Amy in this movie. I'm very comfortable in my relationship. Fantastic. Um, yeah. So we're actually going to start this episode. I don't mean to hijack this intro, but um, Eric Tokoski of of uh, Dirty Sue is going to be walking in my door in just a couple minutes. He's coming to D.C. from out of town, and I haven't seen him in a Many years. So he's dropping by. Mm. He'll probably give us a, a live read right in the middle of this uh, this episode.
0: Yeah. So I was I was hoping he would come in the beginning of the episode because we do have a very special deal. Um today we're we're recording this on the day that we all that we posted to the accounts Instagram that we have a um ten percent off if you use our code Ben and Eric. So um yeah, that'll be that'll be up in a second. So what should we talk about in the meantime? Should we talk about what this film is, what what it's about, who's in it,
1: just a basic yeah, yeah. overview. Give some background. I'm I'm pretty impressed that uh, Gillian Flynn, the writer of the novel from 2012, actually wrote the screenplay. Yeah. So, um, uh, she um, was the author of both the book and essentially the the script of the movie. Pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, yeah, I I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. Uh, I saw it obviously now for the second time. Um, and it was released what 2014 so it's almost 10 years old yeah um great cast great suspense um affleck is great Rosamond pike is great Uh um i've got more detail than that but um had you seen it before or was this your first viewing yeah I, i had seen it
0: before um i would say this ranks pretty high in my fincher um my fincher rankings um i I don't know, like, it it would seem like one of the ones that, like, you can't, you can overlook, kind of like the game, but it's really not, like, this is so psychological, and I think well-written is what I'm getting at, like, this, the relationship between these two is so complex and nuanced, and then, obviously, at the end, the ending result of their relationship is utterly insane, but I'm really just, it's it's kind of a break from a uh, tangent a sidebar from what Fincher usually does, mm-hmm. like the blood gore, blood heavy um, psychological thriller. This is still a psychological thriller, but in a more domestic way, not in a um, man versus world or um, man versus Nate or whatever it is. Um, this is, it's more about the relationship between our two main characters and Ben Affleck and Rosemond Pike are, I would never expect to see them in the same movie. You know, they never were and never will be in the same movie again. I'm pretty sure. But this is just such a perfect combination with these two characters. Ben Affleck to me is kind of like a a Mark Wahlberg Um, in Boogie Nights. Like you can't quite tell if he's, just dumb enough to play this role or if he's just smart enough to play this role, but whatever it is, it works tremendously. Um Yeah. I really love the, like the fact that Ben Affleck is this character. It's so like, it's yeah, so perfect. I, I don't know. I don't know how.
1: The first, the first hour of the movie, I really went from being incredibly sympathetic to him, uh, believing Nick all the way, everything he yeah. said, He was the one I was sold on being, you know, on on first viewing. I hadn't read the book, Mm -hmm. Uh, believing him to the, to the nth degree. I was going to go to the, you know, go to the the end of the earth with him as being the innocent one here. Yeah. Um, Never being suspicious of him. And so I I love that about the movie that it twists and turns. It's very much like Hitchcock. It's very much like De Palma in terms of its psychological thriller aspect, and they they keep you bouncing guardrail to guardrail in terms of who you believe, who you trust, who's being reliable, who's not in their narration. Because yeah. you do go from with a lot of Nick as the point of view um, focus to to Amy mm-hmm. in Rosamund Pike's character, and you really you know get get tossed around and your, your loyalties bounce quite a bit. So uh, th- that part about it, it's like, I don't mind when a filmmaker messes with my head, but, um, be smart about it and be deliberate and don't do it just for the sake of doing it. You know, i.e., i E I'll go back to horror movies. Like just don't <laughs> fucking scare me and call that like entertainment, like have there be a, have there be a purpose, have there be a mission and a, a, a complete vision for what you're doing. And that, that's what made this movie so effective. Um, so the perspectives changing was really strong. I love that part yeah. about it. Um, as soon as you get a handle on what this movie is, it takes a turn and puts you in a different direction. And um, it's something else entirely. So, yeah, that was really cool.
0: Yeah, I really like your point about um, whose perspective are you siding with and who do you believe? Uh, because I've seen this movie, I think, twice. I think this was my second time watching it. I could have watched it three times. Because I'm fairly, I'm fairly certain that I was sold on Nick the first time. I was like, "Yeah, man." Like, oh no, I was sold on Amy the first time. That's what it was. I believed Amy, and um, I thought like, I, I really didn't register. I think the story was moving so quickly, and the relationship was so like interesting, and what and the and who knew what was so interesting to me, and where we were. I got kind of caught up, and I lost a few details that like would have. That I noticed now and those were like uh well are we getting into spoiler territory are we I mean like Um, this movie is 10 years old I feel like we can just go ahead and let loose when Amy is writing in her journals and she's explaining how to make this journal all those flashbacks that we had before of Nick pushing her of Nick like of of the of the glances From Nick to Amy and then him turning away when she uh, sees him. That's all fake. She made all that up. Mm -hmm. Whether or not he's a shitty husband is, I mean, that's kind of no question. He is a shitty husband. Whether or not he's abusive and violent is a whole other question that I think she made up entirely. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that he was ever actually violent because she says like here's how you frame your husband you you write in your journal that he's violent and you explain in detail situations that he can't deny because he's under investigation
1: right
0: so i be- i know that he was a bad husband and there's no doubt about that but he was i really felt sympathetic towards him being like set up as a violent man mm-hmm. by and like you know, he's he's big and actually he, he gets bigger physically in the movie because he's training for like Batman versus Superman or something he oh, got yeah. cast and he, he had to like put on weight for the for the role to be more physical. And so like throughout the movie, he's getting like fatter. I, I think it's fat. I think he's putting on muscle, too, but like he gets physically bigger. And so, um, he, you know, you believe it like you believe it for a while and you see this convincing flashbacks and it's like, wow, this is a really violent domestic relationship. And then you find out the whole fucking thing's made up. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. Amy's Amy's. So I'm, I'm out on Amy. Which part are you saying is made up?
1: Which part is compl- everything,
0: everything, everything she said about him in the journal is entirely
1: fiction. There, there's the he cheated on her. He cheated on her. So I yeah, mean that's, that's the
0: shitty husband part. That's that's right. valid. And he course. did push
1: her down. You don't think he pushed her no. down and she hit her head. Nope. Why do you think that didn't happen?
0: Cause it, it didn't, she says, she says, here's how you make my journal. You make the journal, you right. start out with the lovey honeymoon did she, relationship. So did
1: she hit her head on purpose then to prove there was an injury there or something? She never hit her head. She never did. She couldn't prove that. Yeah. Okay. So huh. like
0: wh- when, you know, the scene where like he's standing me. over yeah. her and she's like, I wanted, I, I have it quoted here. Um, I, or maybe I don't, it's just like, um, <laughs> she talks about the lovey-dovey parts of their relationship, and then gets into like the violent, the more violent parts, where yeah. she's like, "He, we got in an argument, and like, we're we're not. It's the whole argument about like him leaving, and like he's being lazy and spending money and all that." Um, and he pushes her, and she falls back into the, like the staircase, and then he's like over her with like his fist clenched, clenched, and she's like. I I saw how much my husband wanted to hurt me more. I saw how much more he wanted to hurt me, and um, that part was from the last half of the journal, which is what's setting him up to like that the physical evidence of like the um yeah. the bloody uh what the bloody like
1: oh the, the part from the Punch and Judy doll yeah, yeah yeah
0: yeah that's also such a creepy doll but anyways yeah. because the home invasion is fake the yep. um the blood. Is all fake uh
1: so there's, besides there's nothing cheating, real about the violence besides the fact that she's a sociopath there uh-huh. what is driving her out of the relationship forget that she's crazy he, he, forget he's withholding he cheated he's cheating
0: yeah and okay. um and and the relationship is over like they both know it they don't want to acknowledge it because right. i mean they're she's in a gonna go out
1: on her terms in a crazy you know yeah, she's going to get revenge to for a, what a, he's yeah, revenge. done to her. How yep. he's
0: humiliated her in this relationship. Not because right. he like is physical with her, but because he's – which is a valid reason except she takes it a bit too far. You know, mm-hmm. she – a lot of people – some people end up dead that maybe didn't have to. <laughs> you think um, that's a little far, maybe? <laughs> Dude, that ending is so nuts. Oh, my god. But also watching this movie again, I mean did you notice a lot of the details like in the beginning? in those in those relationships where they're building their relationship mm-hmm. it's so fun to see like nick, like be nick such a Fnett? fucking douchebag yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: nick is like i'm he, okay i do it's have this
1: dialogue yeah
0: yeah i'm gonna i'm the guy to save you from all this awesomeness is a direct line right. from nick dunn right so right. it's
1: just uh
0: like the dialogue that, is really well written
1: it is it's very snappy it's very sorkin-esque in the way that it's delivered um the mm-hmm. scenes move very quickly in the beginning yeah. I found that I couldn't like look away. You'd miss something, you know, even that, yeah. even that, that time when they met at the party was just super snappy and you really yeah, had to pay I, attention. That's exactly
0: what I'm talking about. Yeah.
1: There's even like, there's even glances between, you know, shout to Carrie Coon who plays uh, his twin sister, Nick's twin sister in the movie. Um, and she, they even have, when the detectives are talking to both of them, there's glances between the two siblings. And there's always that, you know, famousness of between two, two twins that you get, they they know what the other one's thinking without even speaking it. Right. Yeah. And there are those, those glances where they're, um, they're telling each other something without actually speaking. Um, mm-hmm. but in the dialogue, there's nothing cliche about it. Nothing trite. It's all very, you know, unique and genuine and, uh, you haven't heard that kind of writing before. I think it's, it's great. The flashbacks are fast and furious. Um, yeah. You know, the talk about the prenup, it's like rat-a-tat-tat. There's backstory coming at you a mile a minute. It's so easy to don't, throw. You don't, uh, you can't really look away. You're going to miss a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's just, it's, it's the right way to do a movie. You know, it's, it's something, it, they keep you on your toes. There's not a lot of dead time, even when there's, as something is wrapping up a a subject, a message they're trying to get across. They do that creepy cross cutting to black, first to black. I don't know. You can tell me as a film student, what the fuck it's called. But when they quickly fade to black and quickly fade into the next scene, what is that? It's cross cut or something. That's like a dissolve. Yeah. So it dissolved the black, but then they dissolve quickly into the next scene. And um, it's very Hitchcockian. I mean, I I know it's just super dramatic the way they, they did that. The way yeah. Fincher did that. I mean, um,
0: David Fincher is a world-class director. It's so yeah. apparent in every single fucking movie that he does. Um, yeah. Affleck said about him on set, like he was, he's the only director who can do everything better than the people that are doing it. Like, and that's really, to me, that's the definition of a director. Like people yeah. said that about Hitchcock, I think, or maybe Hitchcock said that about himself uh, or about directors. Like you need to know how to do everyone's job better than they do. In order to be like the best, which you know is is it's kind of like impossible. You know, you there's there's certain things where like maybe he's just a, maybe David Fincher's a directing genius, maybe maybe not. I don't know, but he's certainly put into work, and he knows how to make a movie in and out in every single aspect of it. I mean, like there's so many different jobs, so many different jobs that um and people that go into making a feature length film like this at this high mm-hmm. of a budget and i do i really do believe that david fincher knows how to do their job better than they do like it's yeah. just um no shade to those people that i he doesn't work with like with bad people to make himself look better he works with like the best uh, the best people to make like fantastic movies and he's still mm-hmm. like it's still like wow this is david fincher's movie
1: um yeah yeah. I mean, I, I guess I sort of took him for granted, as I mentioned in the, the episode we did about the killer that it's like Fincher. Yeah, he's okay. And then I dig into each one. It's like, wow, each each one of these deserves a rewatch and a reassessment from my standpoint. It's like I, I wasn't really fair to him. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that we're, we're digging into this one. Um, I, I thought it was, there was an interesting tidbit about the making of this movie that cracked me up that if you notice when, Affleck um puts on a Mets hat when he's going yeah. through the airport, and the backstory there is um it was supposed to be a Yankees hat, and Affleck, a famous, you know, Red Sox douchebag fan, I, Boston, sorry, I threw in yeah. a douchebag piece, but yeah, he's so he wouldn't wear the Yankees hat famously, and told Fincher um actually the quote here is. I said, David, I love you. I would do anything for you, but I will not wear a Yankees hat. I just can't, which is ironic. Yes, I'll do anything for you except wear a Yankees hat, which I can, as an Orioles fan, I can, uh, I can associate with. You that. can relate to. It. You know, you he call him a Bostonian douchebag, but
0: you would do the exact same thing. You would never wear I a said, Yankees. hat. I can't
1: wear it because it's going to become a thing, David. I will never hear the end of it. I can't do it, and I couldn't put it on my head. Um, and it, they apparently it says, I mean, IMDb says they shut down production for four days, yes. and they had a big tiff about it and yes. uh and they're they cleaned it up but um but that <laughs> that was so funny that a yankees hat was the the thing that brought the whole production to its knees for a few days uh-huh yeah it so, was you know the yankees. They're, they're obviously very passionate uh director um i, I do <laughs> love how this one calls back to hitchcock stuff i thought of north by northwest i thought of dial m for murder i thought of vertigo just mm-hmm. you know De Palma. i thought of buddy body double um Carry, dressed to kill. Like these are, these are classics that are, that have a creepiness to them that are deep, that are suspenseful as hell that have you going, you know, from one character to the other saying, I believe in this one. Nope. I'm out of that, out of that person. I'm back to this person as who I'm rooting for. And, um, I love the flawness of each character. And Amy, you think she's the mastermind, right? She's writing in the di- in the diary. She's got it all figured out. Even making friends with the crazy neighbor lady, who's going to yeah, support with the her stupid when, neighbor when Amy gets goes away. And then, um, and then Amy's flawed. Amy, Amy goes to the you know the white trash hotel and gets gets turned on by the the, the neighbors at the at the motel. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've got something like, to things- say about that. Yeah. So things go wrong for her in a big way there because she gets sloppy. So she's totally flawed. Go ahead. You go. That to me is, is really strange that
0: she, um, that she's doing all that. First of all, it's strange to me that she's carrying the cash on her person. Never. No one's assuming that you've got cash. No one's assuming you've got that kind of money. It's safe to leave in a hidden place back at your apartment or whatever, wherever she's living. Another thing. If Amy is doing so much research into how her how to frame her husband for murder like she's a criminal now. She's um setting him up uh setting up a murder and that's a that's obstruction of justice. That is not allowed. You're not allowed to do that. So if you're a criminal, here's one thing. I'm not really a criminal. But if I had thousands of dollars in cash, I wouldn't put it in the same place. This is something I've learned from real criminals. You put it, you, you split up and you put like $500 here, you put $1,000 here and you hide the, the big amount, like the, the most of your money in a place that like they'll never, ever find. But you leave like $500 in, uh, in a sock drawer underneath the sock. You leave a thousand, um, in a, in a, in a, like uh vase or something in like a hidden underneath something. You don't put it all in one place, Amy. And you don't put it on your person.
1: You so you are you are um, correcting her mistakes. You figured out how she could have done it better. The way I, so I'm going to give you I my just, response. To that. My She's response so smart. Is, Why is she doing that? Yeah. So you are giving the impression she's so smart. She is not. She's flawed, or she has such a low, uh, such a small um, take on anyone else she's competing against or trying to fool that she just thinks less of everybody. So therefore she can be a little sloppy. She can be a little loose with how she's going to pull off this caper and she gets caught in it because she doesn't think through all the everything. So she does just, she gets, she gets sloppy and she pays for, she pays the price for it. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it seems like whenever whenever you've
0: got a good point. Yeah
1: when she went on the lamb, she definitely decided, she figured I'm smarter than everyone else. I've got this figured out and I'm the center of the universe and everyone's going to sort of be my chess piece. They're my chess pieces in this game. And she obviously didn't think everything through. She got, she got caught in her own plan. So, yeah. um, I mean, and I loved how she, there's a consequence for that. She got caught in just the biggest of traps with, um, uh with uh, neil patrick harris's character who is the crazy ex <laughs> literally crazy and yeah. she got caught in that and was able to mastermind out of that scenario as well so um i like i love how it didn't it, it just it-, it just kept you from like amy's trapped she's gonna lose in this to holy shit she found a way to weasel out of it and yeah um that sort of didn't see common aspect to this movie is like, thank you for the ride. It's like, I was entertained, you know, again, call back to horror movies. Sorry to shit on them again, but it's like, <laughs> okay, the big killer is going to kill some people. And then maybe the big killer gets killed. Maybe he escapes, <laughs> but a lot of people die in his wake. Okay. There. I just wrote the fucking script for ha- for <laughs> Halloween. Right. So this one, it's no, like, you, you didn't not, you cannot thumbnail this movie in that kind of way so yeah i tried um,
0: but it it does it doesn't really work
1: yeah always keep guessing like usual the usual suspects great example you know of a movie that does that it's like Mm -hmm. um it's just gonna it's gonna keep you going through this maze and you know buckle up you got to pay attention and you know you're gonna end up with a ton of questions and on a rewatch like i had it's like wow that's that's masterful what they did there
0: yeah yeah, the writing in this is super, like super fast paced and super complex. I mean, the way they weave in and out of stories, and yeah, it's just uh, oof. it's such, it's such a, it's such a thrill. I mean, like we talk about thrill rides, it's, it's a, the definition of like a thrill ride.
1: Um, <laughs> what did you, what did you rate it? Would you rate it? I
0: think it this is a four and a half star movie. Um, it could be five stars. It could be five just because like of the, of like, not really, but like the restraint, I think maybe Mm. like the fact that it's not, um, fact that it's not so, okay. I'm going to say this. The fact that it's not so over the top and hear me out. Some of the Fincher movies are a little bit over the top. The big reveal in fight club that the guys, that what character is made up. Okay that's a that's a big reveal social network is i'll leave that out because it's kind of like a biography i'll leave that out 7 is like like when i think back to 7 you think of like the visceral reactions that you have and one of them being um the the one about when the sin for the sex uh crime the one with like uh the guy who's like having sex with a prostitute and um the killer uh so- like it's like a really gruesome part of the movie and it's super over the top and like does not need to be that gruesome, but really mm. is. So, and there's stuff like Zodiac where like you get the scenes where the um the Zodiac killer is tying people up and like stabbing them. It's like that stuff is yeah. over the top. This does not have that kind of like um, you
1: know, the, the over the top violence. Yeah, right, right.
0: And so for so that, I, I think right. I really want to reward that with like a.
1: This movie is really good. Where does it? So where does this rank for you in Fincher movies?
0: I'm gonna ask you that. I was hoping I was hoping you'd ask, but I think <laughs> this is like. I mean, I'm gonna say something controversial. I I don't find Social Network like that crazy. Like I don't see mm-hmm. it as like um, that cra- maybe because I just hate Mark Zuckerberg. I don't know, but I was like,
1: uh, oh yeah yeah.
0: I was never really like that bought it i i don't know i think other ones are more entertaining so i think my top three are like gone girl is in it for sure i think fight club is in it just because of the legacy that fight club has had on um on movies like mm-hmm. and will forever and movie fans that's something um and i think like i think it's something like seven i really think it's uh
1: mm-hmm. i really think seven i'm, is I'm in up the in the top air now it. I'm up. I know I gave my rank, my top three last podcast. And frankly, I forget what I said. So yeah, I mean, I'll have to I go back. Uh, but it's, it's way up in the air now. Each one has got its, uh, it's got its pluses. There aren't a ton of, uh, minuses in the, Oh, well you the put group. the killer
0: in the top three. So I did. I think
1: I'm i going to stick by that. I think it's, I think it's a, a thrill ride and it's, uh, each stop along the ride is, is really stellar. And, um, pretty flawless in terms of what they accomplished the fight. I mean, there's a fight scene in the middle of it. You know, there's, there's just a, the, the, the detente with, um, with Tilda Swinton there and the, in the restaurant was just done so effectively this one wins in terms of cast. You've got, we didn't even talk about Tyler Perry in this. Kim Dickens is the detective. She's amazing in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they they there's just not a weak link here, so um, really effective, really effective. Yeah. So uh, um, yeah, it's a, it's it's four to four and a half stars for me. I haven't decided. I think the cast <laughs> probably bumps it up, bumps up to four and a half for me. Um, yeah, I really but... think
0: this is a five star movie. I'm I'm out in four and a half. I think like you I don't know how this movie could be any better. Yeah, really. I, I but like what about this movie was weak?
1: I thought the end. Was a li- I mean, the end was good. Uh, it felt like I'm like, wait, 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 what just happened? You know, are we, we're done. You know, she's lying down, head on his chest, looking at looking up at him. Brings you back to the beginning when he's doing a little yeah. voiceover where he's saying, I just want to cross your skull kind of stuff. Um, yeah. and then Scooby you realize why. see What you're thinking, exactly. So <laughs> it all makes sense and it's brought full circle, and that's great. Um, but it's like, but that's the thing, that wasn't. That, besides the fact that she's a sociopath it's like i i wanted a little bit more into the what and the why i guess the why See, is what to i want to me in the, the ending
0: is absolutely perfect i mean yeah, go. you you get these characters that are you you think polar opposites now i mean they hate each other they despite they cannot possibly go on there is absolutely no chance this relationship survives ben affleck's character which by the way He's just so right for this role, not because he's so smart or because he's so handsome, Mm -hmm. but because he's like the perfect incarnate incarnate of uh, Nick Dunn. I'll talk about Rosamund Pike later. She deserves all the props in the world, too, but like seems like plays a role very well, plays the role of like a super smart sociopath, plays that role very well, but is doesn't have the complexity of kind of being like a stupid boy. Like mm-hmm. adding that to like, that's really good. So I want to say the ending is my favorite part because these characters that have been a part for the whole movie finally get to talk and they finally right. get to say to each other what they're thinking and, and then move forward. And because of the media, she gets back into his home and, and is safe, like is safe. and, and they get to talk and they really like, and she's just like covered in blood.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like she arrives on his front doorstep covered in blood and she gets out of the car and falls into, I mean, it's so dramatic and perfect.
1: Yeah. She's, she's, and then, overdoing and then we get totally like, laying on the deck.
0: yes. And perfect for the cameras. I mean, uh, and then we get to see him go like, I'm not, I'm leaving you. I'm leaving. I'm out. This is crazy. I cannot possibly go on like this. Then he actually gets violent. And then she's like, no, you're going to stay. And um. and here's why. And then she ends it with you want to stay. I'm not making you stay. You want to stay mm-hmm. I, like I've killed for you. And and I, every t- you the only time you feel good about yourself is when you're trying to impress me and so like and she's like we can live like that and then they do and it's like are you fucking kidding me after all this they they just they're in they're living together yeah they're true. i mean some marriages are crazy
1: some marriages are crazy for sure um not mine just to be clear this wasn't (laughs) like projection or anything um but uh you know, some people feel trapped. I guess, and and this is the ultimate trapped in a in a crazy. But that's
0: marriage. the thing; they're not. They're. Not, I disagree with that. They're not trapped. He wants to be there. He he's trapped because of the media. But I I really do believe that he wants to be there. I mean, that talk with Margot at the end, she realizes like, hey, you're not doing this because you're trapped. You're also doing this because you might think this could, you might think this can work. Yeah. You might believe like. You might yeah, think you're going to have some fun.
1: Good point. Mar Margo is a bit of being a twin of Nick uh, is a bit of, uh, you know, the, the, the alter ego there and kind of giving him a reflection of maybe the part of him that he doesn't want to admit to. So yeah, I think you may be right about that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, give me a bit of Rosamund Pike and then I'm going to invite our guests onto the, onto <laughs> the pod to talk about okay. uh, his great products.
0: Um, well, Rosamund Pike is, uh, plays Amy Dunn and this was the first time I'd ever seen her and Amy is just like, I, the reason we mentioned, uh, this is all this is for all you ladies out there in the beginning is because David Fincher has no movie for women.
1: There is no I just crack, crack up when you say, uh, for, this is for all the ladies out there. It sounds yeah, like that's, that's why I wrote terrible that this DJing or something. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah.
0: That's why I like that. I like that. Uh, DJ aspect of it. And, um. So this is the first time I had seen her. And frankly, she she didn't blow me away, but that was because I believed she was Amy Dunn. Like there was no Rosamund Pike in this movie. Mm -hmm. She had completely immersed herself in Amy Dunn. Um, She was perfect with the long hair. I mean, the cool girl monologue is maybe the best part of this movie. Mm -hmm. The best Mm -hmm. two minutes of this movie is her talking about cool girl and he's a vinyl hipster who like w- doesn't wash his underwear he's like a uh he's like a bar douchebag who and she suffers like buffalo wings and nick wanted me to be a cool girl so i i shaved my pussy raw and i i and Jesus i blew Christ. him semi regularly
1: and it's like <laughs> That is a, it's you're, just a... You're still the kid cousin in my life. And to hear you <laughs> say that sentence, it just, it fucks me up. Go ahead. Keep going. It's extremely memorable. I mean, there's like so many quotes from oh, yeah. this movie. Yeah, it's burned into my fucking brain. I'll never get it out. <laughs> Thank you. Go ahead.
0: There's so many quotes in this movie, but a lot of them, a lot of them are from her. She is the, re- like, she is the most interesting character, I think. Like, her character is the one that deviates from society the most. So I think she gets to say a lot of the really interesting, like really cool shit that she might be wrong about. Yeah. Like, you know, she has this big, bold assumption that um, every re- in every relationship, uh, this woman is trying to, is, is changing herself to be who she believes he wants her to be.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, that's a lot. Psychologically, that's a lot to break down. And I'm not even going to start trying to break that down. But because it's such a bold assumption, because it's so sweeping, I'm going to call it wrong in the sense that not everyone is like that. You can't possibly, not every woman can possibly in a relationship can possibly be like that or thinking like that. And so, but she gets to say that and she gets to have her monologue and she gets to kind of be like, "Ah, I want to say an incel, but she's not like, but she, she does have some radical takes on, um, heterosexual relationships yeah a so yeah yep. yep she's she's the most interesting you really get to see like and, and you go wow. from
1: like wow she's super hot nick is nick is what's wrong with nick because he he's he's why is this relationship not working for him why is he you know why is he cheating on her yeah. to um and then she quickly morphs into beady-eyed sociopath you know and you're like oh god i didn't see that part of her before i mean mm-hmm. it was it again we as the audience are just taken for a ride and yeah. um, they did it masterfully and I, and you also get
0: a lot of direct characterization from like her describing herself and her relationship with nick but you also get some indirect relationship with like uh what did she do to her like her past boyfriends like the guy yeah. that's a sex offender now and he's like i haven't had a job in 10 years no one i've never had a date in 10 years the ex-boyfriend who like who she set up for something in high school like there's something mysterious about like how their relationship ended because she did something to him and then she obviously knows how to like and then she does something to him later too Mm -hmm. but you can also see her uh not evolve but um change her appearance and and appear more of like the the guy like the woman she believes Neil Patrick is, Harris's character wants her to be, so she applies that to that relationship to like getting him to um like c- getting him comfortable with her living with him, uh with the whole like nightgown and the whole like aggressive like sexual uh things that she does to him. So you can see her like applying that, and it kind of works, you know. She it it proves her right in this scenario and it proves her right with Nick too but i don't know she's kind of she a little bit wrong in how she goes about it but she is i think the most interesting character she gets to say the coolest shit
1: oh for sure and her her, her i mean she runs the gamut of um of you know doting wife to like just out and out crazy person so yeah and and incredible tactician and strategist and, and all that she just she she really played that super well and you thought she could do no wrong and then oof nope some wrong turns there yeah all right let me bring a guest on the pod hang on okay very excited okay. to meet eric we're live come join us <laughs> this is a good start i have, a, I, have the, I have a terrible seat here for you to join us this is a good start the microphone. The hey man hey buddy how are you Awesome! How good are good you? To you? Good to see you. Good to see you. Here's Ben. Say hi to. Hey Ben. ben. Get on screen. Hi right.
2: Eric. How you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? We just very good.
1: We just finished uh, talking about Gone Girl. Oh, nice. Um, we're not doing a TV show this week. This no. is a classics episode, right? Yep. Um, so, uh, good to see you. It's been a good few years. Man. Um, and uh, we were just doing an ad read, so you walked in at the perfect time. Beautiful. So we're talking about a product. I don't know if you know about it. The product that we're talking about today.
2: Love to hear about it. <laughs> so, Et, sure e. so
1: give us some history, Et. When did when did you you started this company? Yes. Uh, how old is the company?
2: Next year will be twenty years. Holy shit! Yeah, I would have guessed not twenty. Yeah, and me too. But time flies. Yeah. yeah. Started in I I think I incorporated in two thousand three, but I look back, the launch party was June of two
1: thousand four. Okay. So this
2: year will be 20 years.
1: And you you were a bartender at the time when you started yeah. this? Yeah. Um. And uh, what prompted you to create these? You know, these I was working
2: at this bar in LA called Jones. And like most bars, we did a ton of dirty martinis. And at the time, we would take those big gallon jars of olives mm-hmm. and we would dump some of the juice in a squeeze bottle and refill it as needed throughout the night. Mm-hmm. And one night... And I'm only to blame because I was by myself. Mid-shift, we get really crowded. Someone was a dirty martini. I go to the squeeze bottle, empty. Mm-hmm. And I go back to the gallon, empty. And I have to go back to the storeroom, get another gallon of olives. And you know how hard they are to open when your hands are wet. And I'm like fighting this. And then I get the other thing. And I'm like pouring it back in the squeeze bottle. It's been like 20 minutes to make a 30-second drink. <laughs> and I was like, how has no one bottled olive juice? And then like a little light bulb ding. And I'm like, oh, my God, no one bottles olive juice. So. So you took this germ of an idea
1: that we all as consumers probably have, you know, 10 times a week into now I'm actually going to create a company.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because when I started, like, saying I'm going to do this, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years ago, the internet wasn't quite as, you know, all encompassing as it is now. And I had a hard time finding these olive companies or farms and Every time I would call someone, they're like, oh yeah, we don't make, we don't do enough olives to do that. And I realized they're not even farms. They just say they're farms, like right. Nuremberg Farms, but you're just buying from somebody else right. so they don't really have anything to sell me. Right. And the very last call I made six months in was this family-owned farm in California. And they were the largest importer of like Spanish and, and Mediterranean olives on the West Coast, plus they grew their own. So I drove up there and and learned what olive juice actually was and how you make it and how you what's actually in the jar versus what Dirty Sue is, which is a, right. a better version of that. So, you know, it took us about a year and and then we launched. Great. Yeah. And
1: now tell, tell tell us about your success. Where you're you're are you in just the US? Or are you international? So in the US,
2: a little bit in Canada, a little bit in Australia. Okay. Um, but even twenty years later, I still feel like I'm still scratching the surface of the US. You mm. know, now just starting to get national accounts. Um, you know, restaurant groups taking me on, which is great. Mm. If someone's like, "Hey, I want to go out, where do I get dirty soup?" I'm like, "Hey, go to Master Steakhouse." You okay, know, everyone has dirty soup, so that's been cool to watch it grow from kind of a bartender word of mouth. This is awesome; you need to have this, right? And then consumers calling say, "Hey, we also have jars of olives in the fridge where we dumped all the juice out to make martinis. Now the olives are going bad. What right. do we do?" Right. So now we have that and start doing garnishes. And now we do olives and onions and cocktail cherries. So it's right. been cool. Great. Yeah.
1: And so online you're selling um, different packages of, you know, you can buy the olive juice with olives. You can get the 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 onions, the the cocktail cherries for whiskey drinks and whatnot. Um, and all of it's available at dirtystead.com. We got a 10% mm-hmm. discount code that we just launched today. Um, so that's live through the end of December. So get that for the holidays for you and your loved ones. Um, or even people that you don't love who you want to love because they'll <laughs> love you now. So uh, Ben's 19. I don't think Ben's really partaken in all dirty super. Not a whole lot of uh, dirty martinis coming my way, Eric. No. In fact, you go to the website. You have to say you're 21, Ben. So what do you I've do I've on the website, but it's, you have to say you're 21. So you get a friend to, to, do you get a friend to click the mouse for you? Or I, think I, do you do that? I
0: think I I think just say I'm 21, but don't <laughs> tell anybody.
1: Um. So,
2: tighten our security
1: <laughs> uh so what, what other products should it be getting besides the the olive juice for dirty yeah. martinis what yeah. other so products are, are doing well
2: you know the top sellers right now are classic cocktail is the pimento stuffed olives right? okay the martini olive blue cheese is a big seller jalapeno is a big seller and the cherries and then the two that are kind of like When people try them, like, oh, my God, I would have never bought this, but I love Mm. it. One is the jalapeno stuffed onion. Okay. So you're going to make a spicy Gibson. An onion
1: that's stuffed with the jalapeno. Yeah.
2: Got it. And great for a Bloody Mary, great for a Gibson. And then the double stuffed olive, which is garlic and jalapeno. So it's pickled garlic. So it's not like eating a raw garlic clove. It's just more like pickled goodness. And that's also fun for a martini or a Bloody Mary or a charcuterie plate or what have you um but yeah it's been fun people and then everyone's got their own thing right someone likes feta stuff someone likes this so we have right we try to have just all the things for all the the palates
1: and the recipe page is um no slouch i mean it's it's incredible how much how many uh drinks they have things i did not know i could do for instance put um olive juice in a and with tequila to make a dirty, what I talked about on one of the last, last podcasts, what's it called? Dirty senorita or something? Yeah, Right. You
2: know, it's funny. I was in New York probably 18 years ago and a buddy of mine owned a steakhouse in Tribeca. And he said to me, do you ever make a dirty martini with tequila? And I had the same reaction you had, which is, no, that sounds awful. <laughs> and then he said, hey, do you ever do a shot of tequila? I'm like, yeah. I go, well, how do they serve that? I go, usually salt and lime. And he goes, and what's in olive brine? I'm like, salt. So it it really oh. cuts like that that olive brine in the tequila. It's kind of like having salt on a margarita or having salt on a shot of tequila. It right. kind of cuts that.
1: It's a natural flavor. Yeah. And also, I think I've yeah. had that before.
2: Salt is a little bit like can add sweetness to a drink. Like if you do like tequila or vodka grapefruit with a little bit of dirty soup instead of, or a pinch of salt, it kind of sweetens the grapefruit juice. It's like science. I don't want it's, to get, it's a huh. Saturday, rainy Saturday here, so I don't want to get too sciencey, but <laughs> somehow salt in citrus sweetens.
0: Yeah. It, it brings out the, it, it balances the sweetness out of
2: it. Yeah. See, do, you, do you drink that knows. thing?
1: I don't even drink this thing. This is a shot of Jack Daniel's Tennessee whiskey and chilled Dirty Sioux olive juice back. Yeah. So you shoot these.
2: Yeah. So you'll you'll take a little sip of the Jack and then you take a little sip of the, the olive juice and it kind of cuts a little bit of that, Ooh, that oak out. The punch. Yeah. It's just kind of like, um, there's another drink with Irish whiskey and pickle juice called a pickleback. So this is the olive back. Got it. Um, and it works very similar to it pickle would, juice. I
1: would think it would. Yeah. yeah right. Excellent. Excellent. Um, So this is our sponsor. Everyone who listens to this should support this product. Get your 10% off during the month of December. Um, It's always free shipping, is it not? That's not special for us. No, free
2: shipping always.
1: Right. So it's always free shipping, which is great. But we
2: do add more love to the packaging when we know it's one of your listeners. (laughs) We We pack it with a little bit extra love.
1: Uh, does that mean there's like swag in there? Or are you just lying to me now just to make it seem like a good marketing trick? Is there something in there
2: someone's calling me
1: <laughs> it's right it's it's uh it's implied love in the uh, in the package but yeah, this product's amazing um, and show love to the podcast by putting that discount code in there too mm-hmm. um, so this guy will keep coming back and, uh, and supporting the pod. Yeah, Ben. Any questions? How how things up there in Boston? Are people drinking martinis? I don't I don't think that you're in a martini crowd.
0: No, not quite. Um, but I do. I was drinking Jack Daniels recently. Um, so I'll I'll bring up the olive juice. I hadn't I hadn't it thought about that with Jack. Twenty
2: one, twenty one years of age for Jack Daniels. Also, just, yeah. Some sure. someone messed up there. I that's don't know not
1: how. an ET rule. That's that's a U.S. government yeah. rule. Yeah. yeah, I
0: don't know where that happened, but it slipped and fell yeah. into my mouth or something. I don't know. <laughs> But I had, I think I have had the like tequila and olive juice. I remember there being like olive juice somewhere, and wow. like someone was like, "Try this," and I was like, "It tasted very good." It was like, "Wow, that's yeah. olivey." And I just did a shot of tequila, so
1: it was fantastic. There you go. All right, there's there's an underage endorsement. Um, <laughs> yeah.
2: for all good. the kids out there,
1: you need you need my demographic.
2: <laughs> I need you in two years.
0: That's right. Let's. Hey, let's... But I can buy olive juice and use it for however I want. You yeah, know, it's on you. You
2: could actually. Do you like to cook? I do like to cook. He loves to cook. Right. So you got the holidays coming up. Maybe you want to grab a turkey and brine it with dirty Sioux, let it sit overnight. And then when you cook it, all that salty olivey goodness gets Mm -hmm. roasted in that that big bird.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. Cool. All right. E.T., anything else?
2: No. Thanks for the support. Yeah. Thank you for supporting us.
1: Um, we've been, we've been shunning away all the other advertisers. We want to concentrate <laughs> on Dirty Sue right uh, now.
2: I appreciate that. And I know it's been an onslaught of calls. Yeah. yeah. The I loyalty. mean,
1: our tens of listeners are very excited about what they hear on this pod and mm. and your products. So we talk it up. We do hear we did hear that, uh, at the wedding that we were at, Ben, that we hear people are using the product. So good. Um, Fantastic. We are getting the word out there.
2: Damn, yeah. Thank you.
1: Cool. All right. Well, that does it for this week. Yeah, Ben, we're going to wrap. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to visit with this guy. So, um, gone girl. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I don't know what your problem is, but it's, it's been <laughs> 10 years. Just see it already. And, uh, and it's been spoiled now. So, mm-hmm. um, enjoy the detail.
0: Yeah. Thanks for coming on, Eric. Um, I take
2: care of
1: it. Yeah. I think that wraps it up. All right. Till next Bye. time. Take care. Bye.